2: You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Ad Lloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15, and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast a chance to talk, share, and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief, as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago, or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, please do rate, review and subscribe. I know every podcast in the world asks you to do that. Sorry, but it does genuinely help. It sort of like makes it move up the chart. And then, you know, there might be a, a griever, griefster out there being like, oh, that looks fun. That's, you know, or someone not in the club. You're all welcome. Everybody's welcome. Uh, thank you so much. If you've done it already, uh, you can have a tick, tick. There you go. This week I'm talking to clown Lauren Silver. Yes, Lauren is a clown, and she actually explains what that means in the chat, so I I won't go into it now. Um, She's performed with Tall Stories, Gonzo Moose, and she also trained at the world-famous clown school in Paris with Philippe Gollier. She came in to talk to me about her dad, Alan, who died when she was 17. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with clown. And she asked me to say that. (laughs) Not ask me, but that is your job, clown. Well, One yeah. and silver. But I'm so excited! You see how excited I was! Yeah, about I know it? your eyes
1: lit up for it. So a nice, clown. clown. I feel like
2: I think it's really exciting having a clown in. there. <laughs> it's so much nicer than like. They're a writer, so you can imagine what
1: the next. Yeah, hour's they look be like. like. Not that I'm dressed like a
2: clown. She's got red nose, huge shoes. I don't know. What, she came in because she. So you're so you're a clown. Yes. I mean, if people wow. don't know much about clowning. it's yeah. Now. It's now not like Red Nose Big Shoes. It's
1: moved on, right? I'm wearing quite a sparkly jumper, but that is yeah, it's very sparkly. Just
2: life. Yeah, what? Well, tell me, what's what's like, what's happening with clowning right now?
1: What's <laughs> hard with clowning? <laughs> um, the comparison I usually make for now modern day is someone like Mr Bean.
2: Yeah, is yeah. he's a
1: clown, even though he's kind of a physical comedian. Yeah, a physical performer. It all started in sort of comedia and. Uh, Commedia dell'arte and sort of, um, but lately it's got quite fashionable. Bit like improv in a way of like it's always been there, but suddenly newspapers are like, oh, what's what's this this thing? And I think it's there's so there's um, Lecoq and there is a that is a school. That's the school that makes me laugh
2: every time. Jacques Jacques Lecocq School in Paris.
1: Which is a bit more of a uh, sort of, probably a more serious, I am doing no justice to any clowns out there. I just Um, apologise. Isn't that how a clown should answer? If a clown was like, here's my thesis. Here's a very serious. Although I know some serious clowns and you meet them and they're very serious in your life. Yeah,
2: someone said you can have like sad clown or happy clown. So
1: it's the essence of clowning is what, uh, from my understanding, so I trained with Gollier, who's a like, big, scary, amazing teacher in Paris and he has a school just out there outside of Paris and the teaching is about what is inherently funny about you as a person. Yeah, so it's which, more about
2: like you rather than you sitting down and going, I've written something real funny yeah, about Brexit. So, yeah.
1: You, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's That's a time and a place for it. Maybe clowns should talk about Brexit. That
2: I would be. love to see a Brexit clown show. <laughs> we should make that. That'd be a good Edinburgh show. Mm. Someone could pay Europe and someone could pay Britain and they could just like fall about.
1: And then custard pie each other's fit. Oh, oh, Don't... That would get five stars, Scotsman. Okay, you heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> Next Edinburgh. Um, Next, we need to try now because that gets out there. Someone oh, else yeah. is going to do it. Oh, quick, talk about your ideas now and then make them. Yeah, you're going to see universities <laughs> being like, guy, they're doing Brexit the Clown Musical. That was our idea. Damn it. Um, um, yeah, so uh, there's like wonderful companies like Spy Monkey yeah. and uh, the idea is that you look about inherently what's funny about you. Yeah. Um, and that is so much about the training. You can apply clowning to lots of different performances, like classical theatre and Shakespeare and Greek theatre. And you train a lot when you sort of go to Paris. They do a lot of classes in different types. But specifically, I work a lot in something called leisure, which is the game. And it's oh. all about play and fun and wow. light. And there's no fourth world. Like you talk directly yeah. to the audience as you would sort of with stand up. But um I sort of fell into doing it as a job from doing improv and yeah. acting and theatre and sort of walked away going, I
2: don't know what I want to do. Yeah, because we both do improv. That's so yeah. how I've
1: known you mm-hmm. for a long time, really. Yeah, yeah. Now I think about it.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. And when Lauren came in, she had put her notebook down. Yeah. And she Well, tell me, why have you brought a notebook? So
1: then? I've brought a notebook and some notes because um, I can't remember a lot of stuff. Yeah. And what's actually been kind of really wonderfully cathartic about knowing I was doing this podcast was that I have spoken a lot about my dad over the past. I speak about him quite openly. I'm very open about talking about death, yeah. as you are, which is why, why I here. sort of, why we're here. <laughs>
2: um, I can't remember much. So that's really interesting. So when you put the notebook down and said you <laughs> can't remember, I was thinking... It made me laugh because I was like, I didn't know it would have been that long. Because mm. for somewhere in my head, I was like, oh, I think she's like a two, three, two, three year I person. Know. So I'm coming up to 20 years. Oh, my
1: God. And yeah.
2: I am in exactly the same problem. I
1: can't remember. Yeah.
2: How do you feel about not being able to remember? Because I'm finding it quite
1: hard that there's things that I'm like,
2: oh, it's starting to be very foggy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the must, I mean, I'm very open about talking about yeah. death. And so I will look at a logical reason and go, well, there must be a reason why I must have blocked a lot of that uh, stuff out yeah, and said, yeah. oh, well, I don't know why, you know, I don't remember what happened. And now that's probably because I, I was 17. And so I probably wow. put a bit of a shutdown mode but that yeah. is still old enough to know what's going on and you know remember personalities and situations yeah, that yeah. happen but it feels like the year that my dad died sort of the build-up and the lead up to it um I kind of just can't remember and then yeah. there's moments where I can't remember bits and pieces about my dad now like now I uh, you know I can answer questions and like no no stuff about him but there's moments where I'm like oh god I don't really really Remember yeah. sort of stuff, and I think there must be a defence, like a barrier, that our bodies and our brains do, where we.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because I I'm in the same position yeah. of like I was fifteen, yeah. so there's obviously if people ask you what well, what was he this, you could be like oh yeah 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 it was this, but then I'm finding. And I'm finding as well, the more I talk about it, actually, sometimes the foggier it's getting. Oh,
1: really? Because I thought, do you not know think that yeah. it is?
2: Well, it depends. Some th- some things I think once I have this thing, maybe it's an improviser thing. Sometimes once I've said something, it just goes. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like once I've yeah. shared a memory, it's like and it's gone. Goodbye. <laughs> and once I'm like, because I really remember, it, like, I can really see it, and then my brain goes, "Well, that's I'm glad we can let go of yeah. that. Thank goodness." Yeah. It's really clogging up our brain. So I'm yeah. finding like a, oh, and I'm obviously hitting. I mean, twenty years is you know. I can't do the math. Six <laughs> six end years end ahead end of you. Him. Yeah, yes. like, so that is, you know, another chunk of time. But, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm finding it hard that, yeah, you're right, like, just chunks of
1: life you can't remember. Yeah. But then I also,
2: I think, my theory is... So much other stuff has happened. Yeah. So you just can't remember.
1: And how do you hold on to the bits that are yeah. so I probably one of the reasons why I sort of was chatting to you about this at first was yeah. because I have something called death anxiety. Oh. which one of the things that I've talked to my so I've been to see I've been seeing a therapist for years. Um, get therapy, it's yeah, great. So it's good. the best. And I know that you've just I feel mm. like you've just started. I just started the club it? of therapy. Well yeah, I love but
2: you're saying yeah. death anxiety, and I'm like Oh, I oh. think I have that, but no one's ever. I didn't know. Yeah, it was actually, is that what you constantly think everyone's going to die?
1: Yes, yes. yes. Oh my god, yeah. yes. <laughs> all the time. So is that like a specific? Well, not so. So because I, I let to tell add that you. label. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you one today. So, sort of bringing my work and my life together. Um, one of the things that I I've done is I've I've made a, a solo clown show called Surprise and the, how I open the show is I talk about the fact I sort of begged my therapist to give me a label that I could use ah, to make my show because right. my show is about sort of social anxiety and anticipation as if I hate surprise parties and that's what the show's <laughs> about. Um, but what I sort of open the show by saying that my therapist says that I've got something called generalised anxiety disorder with subtypes of social anticipation and death anxiety, which then I go on to say. We literally, me, we're literally interchangeable. Yes, <laughs> so we are the same the person. Yeah. Um, and I think it obviously as well just makes me a really fun person to hang <laughs> out with all the time. So much fun. But where that comes from was because I started seeing a therapist when my dad passed away. And that was probably the first time I decided that I needed to go and get go and speak to somebody. Okay. And because of that, that was a lot of bits and pieces that sort of had gone on that I can talk about. But um one of the things that still happens now is almost fifteen years later is that I have a complete fear that people around me or the people that I love, I'm going to lose them. Um, yeah. So it's, that's constant.
2: Like phone yeah. goes and yes.
1: anything I'm like, yeah, they're, they're dying. This is it.
2: They're dead. Yeah. Or anyone's like, Oh, so I need to, I think y- well, you're, no. di- you're dying. So that's my
1: yeah. mum's not allowed to call me and leave me, a, uh, like not leave a text saying or not text me saying everything's all right. Oh, because yeah. I will, if I get a missed call from her, I yeah. will assume that someone's died. Um, you know, if my mum, because she used to say, oh, call me back and I'd be like, who's
2: dead? Who's and dead? Someone's died. Yeah. Why? Am I, yeah. am I
1: dead? Who's dead? What's am happened? I dying? Are you <laughs> yeah. dying? Are you calling, where are you calling me from? Yeah, so, I always think that. Always. Yeah. Convinced.
2: Absolutely convinced. Like yeah. as soon as they open their mouth, my stomach
1: goes. And I yeah. Think, OK, so they're, they're going to tell me they're yeah. dying. So I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready to grieve. Yeah, And so there is, I think the build up from that probably came from the fact that like my therapist will say, but that's probably because it's a complete knock on effect from what you've had around you for so long that you're yeah. used to things happening. So, so like so much of my anxiety generally is based on being in control oh, and yeah. that a lot of it is to do with when you lose somebody and you're it's out you're out of control. And that's where we're trying to grasp at straws yeah. to sort of. Were you anxious before he died? I don't remember being. So I feel mm. like I don't. I mean, my family are inherently we're Jews, so we're in, we I, apparently yeah. we invented <laughs> one part of anxiety. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. Just, so we're that's always, already on the cards. It is. Yeah. So yeah. that was always going to be the case, and I think probably, yeah, grandpa and my grandmother and yeah. family members have levels of it, and I'm very interested in it because I'm what very high functioning, and yeah. so I use a lot of my my child, like specifically, I talk about it's about making light and making joy about sort of anxiety and trying to learn to live and to laugh with it as opposed to just spend the whole time being like oh my god which is but the death anxiety i've had to sort of make light of it Mm. because it is a constant so i sort of like constantly think my boyfriend's dying or is dead and he for example like (laughs) the nearest thing i could talk about is we had an argument the other day about nothing important i just like had a bit of a bicker on the phone and as i went to hung up i was like that could be the last That's conversation true, I have yeah. with him. Yeah. So now I have to apologize because I don't want him to be annoyed at me, and I don't want to remember. But I was like, but I'm still cross at the thing every that we've just.
2: Fucking time, leave the house. I think this could be the last goodbye. Yeah, Make goodbye sure you say everybody. say it, yeah. love you, goodbye. Because because otherwise you'll think yeah. every phone yet. Yeah. Oh my god, all the time, yeah, all yeah. the time. I'm like, but what's funny? My husband is pretty bad as well. Because is he? he? lost both his parents, so we oh, both yeah. have this slightly like it could could be that we're all dying so it kind of encourages it slightly but also means at least he understands yeah yeah, every goodbye i think imagine that's the last time that you see them so make sure you like smiling and stuff don't end it on a finish with a memory yeah yeah like a lovely memory this was it they saw you waving and you were smiling (laughs) they didn't see you crying thinking god i think he's gonna die (laughs) which is it
1: happens (laughs) It happens. I'm it's constant. so lovely. It's mm. so lovely to be to to meet more people that oh, it's
2: just gone. But see this mm. again. Okay, this is my thing. Okay. I thought everybody had it. Yeah. No. So I was like, I don't have a problem. Everybody thinks everyone's gonna die, right? We all yeah. worry about it. And then I've only just discovered people don't think like no. this. No. I really thought this is like being a human. You just as you know, you always think people are gonna die because everyone's so vulnerable. Yeah, no. How can you not worry about that? I honestly didn't know. No,
1: it's everybody and uh, most people are like, yeah, oh my gosh, my poor boyfriend is <laughs> often put through a lot of stuff. This is like, this is his thing where he'll be like, uh, you know, oh, so the thing that my friends do now if they're late is they'll text me and say I'm not dead. Like that is a thing. Wow. that, And it's, it's just not, you know, not like by five, ten minutes, but it became a point where I was like, I'll still just sort of put along my day and I'll be like, oh, Sarah's not here. Okay. Well she probably died. Yeah, Alright. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what's happened now. i like, I feel like I'm like Yeah uh, yeah, like yeah, normal. Like yeah, normal. Yeah, normal. You this think is a that normal thing? day. normal. Um, the most memorable thing that I have <laughs> talked normal, about. Okay. But it is no but It but is it's two of us. In our it's world. Two of us. So
2: at <laughs> the moment it's hundred percent normal. The population of this room can say this yes. Oh is my god. You imagine
1: every the population was like, I don't this. know if it'd be good if we were all I like don't it. think so. It is a balance. But the thing where I realised it's got really bad, but it probably In a humorous way is when, oh God, I'm talking about this on a podcast. I've talked about this before. I'm so sorry, Stuart. Stuart was on the toilet (laughs) for a while, and (laughs) I I your brother. We've been there, mate. Uh, I had sort of called his name to because I think we were leaving, and he didn't answer because thinking just give it, give it a sec, love. I'm just (laughs) please, just a bit of a situation here. (laughs) Just having, just having some time, Uh, and he didn't answer. And so I was like, oh, and called his name again and he didn't answer. And I was like, oh, OK, um, it's been about six or seven minutes and he's still not, not that long, really, on a, yeah. on a level of toilet time. But long enough for me to go, he's he's, he's died. died. Yeah. And then I sat there going, OK, what do I do? And started, like, thinking about my grieving process. <laughs> planning of course. What I would do. Of course. Of course. Of course. You know, very in, t- in tune with my yeah. brain. Uh, what do I need to do? How do I tell his parents? Something terrible. Is that. Okay. And started to basically plan and think about, now how do I grieve for somebody that has lost? His dad on the toilet for all the different reasons. Like, in my brain, he died lots of different ways and I planned yeah. it all out. And then, you know, eventually he comes out the loo and I was, like, looking at him like, oh, and he was like, Oh, oh, okay, we need to have okay. a chat about... This is when it got really bad. I was, yeah, like, I was, I was doing a shit. <laughs> we need to... I was on Instagram. In a way, it was a death.
2: <laughs> for not for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's something, something, something else gl- that day. Yeah. God, so, yeah, I hear you. That's yeah. exactly... My mum has got it really bad. Like, we, <sighs> I, but we both... Because we both have it, that's kind of... But, like, at the moment, and I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, like, if she rings and I don't text back within five minutes... Yeah. I get this text. Are you all right? What's happening? Mm -hmm. But what I keep trying to say is, like, once you have a baby, you just can't get back quickly. Because you're like, she's just, I'm just dealing with this. So now, like, half text, like, you know, badly spelled, like, yes, fine. Just trying to get a nappy on and someone's screaming. (laughs) She's like, you just have to, or she'll ring. She'll just start ringing. What are you doing? What's happening? I'm like, so I was worried about, I was worried about your daughter. I was like. She's fine. She's fine. I just literally like, yeah, I was washing up, oh. so I now have it from her, so I now understand what it's like. To yeah, on when you see it from the other
1: side. So let's yeah, let's start at the beginning. Yes. So how did he die? What happened? So uh, my dad had uh, chronic lymphatic leukemia. Okay. Which is a blood can- cancer of yeah. the blood, um, and he was diagnosed in the May. So he would sort of found like a lump and went to. The hospital and got checked out and they said so with uh this type of leukemia you live with it forever yeah yeah you're not meant to die with it you're meant to just sort of live your life mm. and there's still people that we sort of know back in liverpool who are who have it and are still living and it just my dad yeah so we found that out so my parents found that out and then they told us my brother was 19 i was 17 and my sister was she must have been 14 and we basically were just told, like, this is what you've got. He's got yeah. this and he'll he'll live his life. And things might be a bit different, but generally this is just the way, yeah. it, what he's got. He's not not well. And we were like, okay, well, that's rubbish. But, yeah. you know, we, we're very open, very open family and sort of talked a lot about it. And then we're just like, okay, well, let's live our life. And my dad was always a very, like, he was very busy, very, very active, mm. very, like, huge personality, sort of. Um, so it kind of didn't stop him. He just sort of went about his his days, really. And then in the August, they got a sort of blood... I think they were just doing, like, a routine blood test. And so, it, yeah, it was the May Bank holiday weekend. And then in the August, some bloods came back and basically had basically said that it had mutated. And that instead of having what he thought would be, like, 15, 20 years, if not more... Um, he'd have five, and God. so my parents. And oh gosh, my mum told me that they had this really amazing, like, hematologist guy usually who was sort of taking it, but that day they had this this guy, mm. and because <laughs> yeah, you, the date, the supply teacher, basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what it was. I think he was like, "So you've only got, you know, you've you've got five years." Uh, sorry, I've got to go to a meeting now. So if you want to have a chat, gotta <laughs> oh, go. My okay. mum was like, um, okay. uh, "Can we, can we, talk, can we, can we ask you some?" Questions? He was like, "Yep, mm-hmm. uh, just call my secretary or blah blah." blah. Wow. Like, we're... and because my parents had gone, I think they'd chosen to go private, and we could do that, which we were lucky enough. But it meant that there was no sort of aftercare. There was no yeah. Macmillan nurses. There was nothing. So they, I sort of um, was talking to my mum about it, and it was. That was obviously a really difficult... I think they just sort of stood in the corridors of the hospital just staring at each other and sort of then went home and told some family friends. But they basically chose not to tell me and my brother and my sister. Wow. And even to this day, I actually really don't... I really don't feel bad about that they did that. Which wow. is a really strange, yeah. like when I have sort of told people, yeah, because like that could cause a lot, of yeah, and I don't anger it, and, and confusion, yeah, I um, and he and then basically what happened then he passed away in the October of the same year, wow. so actually he didn't, he so didn't was even really get the five crazy. years, he didn't get the five years, and I think that's probably why my parents. I think they really talked long and hard about it. I know they did. And they were, my mum's like, has dealt with so much stuff. Like I even now feel like I don't regret that Mm. she didn't because obviously I've been reading Julia Samuels. St. Julia (laughs) Samuels. Our book, Grief Works, (laughs) that we turned to, yeah. Obviously we've been reading that. And I think there's a lot about being open and being, sharing. And I definitely agree, obviously agree with everything she says and sort of listen to obviously the other podcasts that we took when listening to you interview other people um, but there was really something in that decision being made by my parents that I don't regret because I think I don't know whether my dad would have maybe the, the quality of life would have been we would have spent so much time saying goodbye over the months when he was still sort of alright at mm. this point he didn't actually really get ill until the October so they find out in the August yeah
2: and like you said, it carries on being kind of normal. So I guess as yeah. kids, you
1: you don't really... So in May, he was diagnosed. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was normal then. And we were just like... But yeah, then the August, say... But then they the August, they find five years. It's worse. Yeah. But like life for you seems normal. Mm. So, but when
2: he gets to October, do you, is there a point when you as children are like, oh, something's not right? Yeah. and so I th- it wasn't like when he died, you weren't like, what?
1: Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. Well, I think we started to realise... So it wasn't sudden as well. Yeah. I think if he just then dropped dead, we were like, hold Ooh. on a second. And it's funny because I think when I was talking, I was probably talking last night actually about memories of the year. The only thing I can massively remember without having to then dig deep into other people's memories is like my dad napping a lot. and like, right, Which he didn't yeah. really do because he was such a busy man. Like he had loads of businesses and I used to think he was a drug dealer for a while because I didn't know what he did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what does dad do? Why, why, why do we live here? And just didn't know. He wasn't. Um, <laughs> Made that very clear to authorities. authorities he was not a drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> you're listening um yes yeah, so for me i just remember like climbing into my parents bed and like going for a nap with like mm-hmm. napping in the same bed as him once that's one of the only memories i have of that sort of year wow. because i i think that's what we were talking about at the beginning like putting sort of blocks up yeah, yeah. um so when he started to get ill i think what had happened was he started to get a bit of a sore throat he was, I think, he was struggling to breathe and was getting like his breathing was so. And so he went to see our doctors, our family GPs, who were just the best. Oh my gosh, I just feel we were so lucky to have such amazing mm. family GPs, really, who were just extraordinary. And they were really worried, and we're just like, actually, this isn't looking good. So they sent him to the private hospital, and he was in there for a bit and just basically was deteriorating quite quickly wow. over ten days, um, and couldn't breathe. So they sent him to go and have a tracheostomy in the the royal the royal Mm. liverpool which is where you put a tube in the throat you breathe and then this is yeah then basically when they went to do that he just didn't survive it sort of that and it was over a matter of 10 days that that happened so it was very quick over the time Mm. but over the sort of it's funny because I feel like my memories of my dad aren't contained in that one year. Yeah. And I think that's probably, that's probably thinking about it, why I don't remember much. Because I probably went, I don't want to remember my dad being this sort of slower, yeah. ill man, which he probably was, and very sad. and I no. found
2: afterwards, like directly afterwards, all I could remember for years was sick dad. Yeah, like It stayed with me for like maybe two, maybe two and a half, three years. Mm. Like I couldn't, definitely the first year, I literally couldn't remember him being healthy, even though he'd only been ill for two months. Yeah, And then slowly that person, that sick person yeah. really faded. And now I struggle to remember the sickness. Yeah, Whereas at the time it was like, but I could only see him yellow and in this tracksuit because he was ill. And again, yeah. very active person. yeah who didn't normally do that. And then that, that I think because you're sort of traumatized by it it sort of fades after a while,
1: but you're so yeah. traumatised that you're like, uh, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye memories. Never want to see that memory again. Yeah. Wow, but
2: that is, that May to October is so fast.
1: Very, very fast. So yeah. you
2: had been told
1: he's sick, but it's fine. And yeah. then suddenly... Well, that he would, he would be ill and there'd be ill at stages. I don't ever remember going, oh my God, hold on a second. You said. Yeah. I don't, re- maybe I did. You know, it was... I guess you were probably just in shock. Yeah. And, and I was I... like, what? Hang on, what? But there was... Um, I think oh, I've talked about it. I think other people have talked about it. I had a te- I had a terro- terrible regret that I went away oh. over the time that my dad was ill because I think he said to me, I'm going to be fine. I can't see you. I went away for a weekend um, to this like, Jewish youth camp <laughs> weekend. I always, I'm like, even now I'm like, what was I doing? Yeah. But I think I was like co-managing this weekend
2: and, also and I, I d- can imagine as a parent now being, like, so stressed. Mm. Like, great, Lauren can be away. do so that good. Thing. She can have a nice time. Yeah. Like, everyone just trying to cope. Yeah. And just being like, that'll be good for you, and we can have some time. Yeah, and um, you we'll know. see you
1: when you get back. And yeah. I always, i see when you know, it was that very so much. Did, were you there when he So died? I wasn't there. So um, not when he was sort of compass mm. and before he'd gone. So really my last memory of my dad was sort of lying in a hospital bed being like, I'll see you later, like, I'll see you in the... So I went away for the weekend and was staying at my boyfriend at the time and then, like, went to this, like, Jewish weekend where we'd talk, learn about things and sort of had put a lot of work into it. And apparently at that point, that was very important to me to go to <laughs> yes, that. But yeah, yeah. probably also, probably not that important, but my parents were like, you've worked very hard. Yeah. I'm, like, the worst Jew ever. I can't believe, like, <laughs> that was a thing that I went and did. But um so then I always remember, like, I was on the train, on the way back, and I was friend. My friend Harry, his mum is RGP. GP. Both his parents were RGPs. GPs, and so when we got to the station, we got to Lime Street Station in Liverpool, Marion was there to basically be like, "You've got to, you've got oh. to come." And they, basically, that was then when he had gone into, gone into having an operation there tracheostomy and just didn't come out and never recovered from it and um did you see
2: him after? yes so we got to
1: go into the room but he was basically under so I never really got to talk to him or say say like a proper goodbye to him with him being awake but I then after that lived with so much regret for going away Mm. and actually had to deal with that for huge amounts for seeing a therapist and stuff about so much pain. and even now my I was talking to my mum over the weekend but my mum was like, I really don't want you to blame yourself. Mm. Like, I still don't ever want you to hang on to those things because they were the right things at the time for you and actually it probably could have been worse for you to be there. Yeah. Because actually it sounded, it was just sounded so horrible for my mum. I think what we thought was, my mum thought was that he'd have this tracheostomy, he'd come out and maybe he'd live a little bit longer. Yeah. So no one thought that this was going to be... No one
2: thought this, it was, again, it's that thing of like... You're doing something to help someone, yeah.
1: Not, to, yeah, yeah. And I know that my mom's priority was always us and how we and um, my dad like how it would be all right for us because it was. She sort of talking to her again this week because I've sort of had to revisit a lot, yeah. had to, but wanted to sort of revisit a lot of stuff and ask my mom a lot of things I don't remember um and she and i talked about it a, a lot this week and she sh- shouldered so much because mm. i think she was just so protective of us she's an incredible woman like that's the strength of where i suppose where we've sort of talked about we don't you just become quite yeah. where well, this is what i'll do but she
2: yeah just and that just makes i know Julia, Saint Julia talks about that a lot that the parent <laughs> left and I don't I hate saying this because I feel like if you if your parent left did a shit job that is awful but yeah. the parent left does make a huge yeah, a huge difference. And I when I so. spoke to Julia, I had like yeah. accidental free counseling session um oh about what I did when I was talking about things my mum did she was like oh yeah yeah, well that would have been really helpful and I was like oh yeah I guess yeah Yeah. again you think oh it's just my mum doing what she's doing but like having somebody be like I am here and fixed yeah and this is what we
1: and then so then when we were in the then we were in the hospital and then we sort of knew I think at this point that he wasn't he wasn't going to come out of it and the doctors knew that so then the doctor said to my mum well we need to have a talk about whether we turn the life support machine off mm. and my mum said I want my kids to be in the room for that. So because she then felt that that was an important thing that we all talked about yeah, together yeah. and we my sister was probably, you know my sister was 40 she didn't say anything for again these are all things I don't remember my mum was saying but we all sort of agreed together and I think my mum felt that that was an important thing to say this is what you know have the doctor talk to us all and yeah. there was no forcing of it but we could see like he was never yeah. going to have a quality of life of, he wasn't really going to it would just be the way he was and then the weird things happen where human human behavior is weird where we all sort of realized that this was going to be the goodbye and there were loads of people that had come to the hospital loads of family members and friends um that had sort of heard about it and I remember first of all asking the nurse to clean my dad's tracheostomy because it was just covered in gross Mm. and being like my dad doesn't like looking not very nice so could you clean clean him up and make him look nice and then I would go and like welcome people from the waiting room be like who would like to say goodbye to Alan I was 17 and I was like welcome please like his PA or something like it's a will... job it's a job yeah and
2: you can smell a job and you're like oh great oh. I can do that I can do I can, that yeah look at you I, I'm not sad I'm useful I've, look at me helping i doing stuff yeah. I mean look you know I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm really on it um, someone's dying I'm not really I don't really that's nothing to do with me yeah. well, I, my job is bringing people into the room and look how well it's going mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going so well we all good we all alright oh and god yeah anything to be fix, in control fix fix fix, fix. like yeah. yeah I understand what my job is
1: here because I don't know what the What's going on. because it's grasping control and that's yeah. so much about obviously where levels of my anxiety anyway come from but also just trying to grasp onto yeah. things that you can help and and actually like I look back on that as a sort of like a real care for my 17 year old self going yeah. all right Lauren like that's what you so I then you know there wasn't like I didn't exit. I, there was a ma- moments with my family who were utterly incredible it's my uncle Ian who was absolutely astounding and really helped me through like was like all the family were just amazing um but just going i just remembered like going in this my dad's mate roger and i was like right Roger. so um it might be a bit shocking for you <laughs> <It's> <laughs> but uh, i'll be there yeah this man and obviously walking in and seeing my dad yeah. just like on a bed was pretty it's like horrific for anybody who's not been through the process of yeah, seeing him at, seeing up him until that, that point. Is, yeah. just seeing him there and um yeah, and so it's, that was like quite of an amazing sense of behaviour and what we all did. And my brother very much took on sort of the father role mm. in the family as they do. And my sister sort of just totally shut, shut down. So we had different stages in course, between the and, three of us.
2: And the thing is, when you're young, you know, she's 14. Yeah. And I think I had this well, like being 15, yeah. if there's some. my brother was 19. So mm. like I could shut down. And I could do other stuff because I can see him doing that. So yeah. it, everybody's other reactions enables you to do something else because you're like, yeah. well, I guess I can just be quiet because they seem to be all talking, so yeah. I don't need to say anything.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass." Thing
2: right I can just be we c- you can all do it yeah, and it seems like you guys are doing it so. yeah
1: <laughs> and I think that's probably where a lot of my so you've talked about it definitely there's sort of Becoming a fixer, and yeah I can help God. people, and I can do that thing because obsessed with it. How can oh, I fix it? How can I fix how it? How can I? You're not. You're not. You're unhappy. Can I? Let's I mean, this podcast is just literally like, how can I fix my grief and <laughs> everyone else's grief? I fixed it. I did it. Yeah, I'm gonna work out feeling great. Oh, yeah, di- yeah.
2: And then when I still have, I had a. Re- it's funny to talk about it, being honest. Mm. I had a really shit night last night. Like, just I'm coming up to 20th anniversary, mm. and I was like, the irony of like, if if you'd asked me five episodes ago, i have been like, you know, what? I think I'm. I think my grief is really fine. Like, I just talk about it all the time. I'm so cool with it. And then he's like, slam, you know? Oh, like, yeah. you just can't
1: you can't fix no. it. No. It's
2: just a process.
1: Yeah, and even when I was going through, just, like, chatting to my mum and being like, so what happened? And at one point, we're just sobbing, yeah. talking about it. And then we're sort of... But then we're sort of finding we're talking about stuff and it's never not going to be an inherently sad, yeah, sad, yeah. horrific thing to go through. And, it, and grief is that and it's, it's a process. And I think it will always depend on what you've gone through in your life and yeah. how you can deal with it. And I think the interesting thing is there was, I was talking to my uh, friend about it this morning, actually. There were eight of us that lost a parent in my school year. Wow. And then probably 15 of us that lost within my a year above and year below. Wow. It was really, I don't know what was in the water yeah. in when I was growing up. But I had a, yeah. there was
2: in my like theatre studies class, there was three girls who lost their dad out of like, there was only like nine of us in the yeah. class. But we would all shoot each other looks when people would say something like, yeah, yeah, you get it. Yeah, like, you know. yeah, And yeah, like yeah. somebody would be like, yeah, but why? Like, if my parents... And you'd be like, shut, shut the, fuck the fuck up. up. Like, yeah. And I wonder as well, like, sometimes I think people think, like, I'm still banging on about it or I'm still upset. And when I was trying to find the right therapist. It took me a while. Mm. And I remember one therapist being like, I mean, look how upset you are. And I was like... I'm a performer. Like, it is my job to get up this upset about stuff. Like, it's my job to have emotions this close at yeah. all times. And it sounds like such a wanky thing to say. Mm. But I remember feeling, like, worried. Or like, if you have this of, like, the fact that you can still sit and sob about it. Mm. And then
1: sometimes people go, oh, she's not over it. You're like,
2: no, it's you just... Know. I can just really remember feeling sad very yeah. clearly.
1: It's <laughs> just allowing... It was... I, I think it was... That was one thing... Obviously, just going to speak to a therapist was such an incredible. Yeah. So when did you go? You went early. I went early. I went quite early you on. Straight on that. I was train. straight on. Never <laughs> looked back. Um, she was like, Ah, another Jewish person. Come on in. <laughs> Welcome. I'm gonna get Thank 14 you. years. Out of this, oh so. hey. Um, but I've been seeing. I've seen three. No, there was there's four. I'm thinking about it, did, nothing happened. They went like, I didn't pick up the phone. Oh God, it's horrid. Uh-huh. <laughs> go, come on. Um, so I went to see one straight who was at my GP's um, because basically I started having nightmares about yeah, it all, which yeah. you do because well, it's so traumatic and there was like specific things that sort of happened on when my dad was sort of when we went back to the hospital that we'd, we'd seen and I think I was just having like you know PTSD sort yeah, of flashbacks yeah. and stuff and that was probably the first time I think I just couldn't sleep. Again, these are things I try and remember, but mm. I just remember this, that she gave me this incredible thing that worked, really. Basically, so imagine the image and imagine it black and white. And then imagine... So, so think about that image and now imagine it in black and white. And now imagine you watching the image on telly on a black oh. and white TV. Now imagine you watching yourself watching... Image on telly in the back of my TV, and it's about like
0: yeah. removal, like distancing. you're
1: distancing and removing. But because if she was like, I'm gonna make you remove and put that put yeah, distance between, yeah. it, I'd be like, Well, you can't because I can't stop thinking about it. But it was a pro, it was just one thing I really remember her saying that I was like, Oh, that's exactly, that's yeah. And so then I started to see her, and then I saw somebody at drama sc- when I was at drama school, and I remember being like, This is the best thing ever. Oh my god, this is the best thing ever. Why are we not all doing this? And then Oh, that old chestnut.
2: want to do therapy. Cause I'm fixed. <laughs> Look I'm at me. fixed. I can fix you. It's my idea. My idea is we all get therapy. Yeah, I and, am peak mental yeah. fitness.
1: It's great. Um but that re- that was that was really helpful. And then I went through a bit of a sad bit of a breakdown time about three years ago. And then remember being like, can talk about you know normally i'd be like oh i can talk about all the things that are really hard and then just wouldn't go and see anybody Mm. and then had a coffee with a mate who basically (laughs) shook me and was like come on like you need to and then i remember sort of taking a couple of days off i was like doing like a muggle job like teaching job or something and then went got a massage bought some of like vitamins from holland and barrett (laughs) and google searched therapists and found one i went to see her and that was then my it just enabled me to have a bit more of a conversation about it and i the reason why i probably share this is because i very long story short i had like a bit of like health problems with like my stomach like um, was getting tested for celiac disease and blah blah. blah. Oh, you thought you were dying, right? <laughs> thought,
2: of course. I was
1: dying, and I thought I was dying. Yeah. Obviously, because not normally when I'll be like, oh, I just hit my head. and Now I have a brain tumor. Yeah. But um, I went for a scan, like on my like my bowels, my intestines, basically yeah. just like a regular. We're just gonna have a look inside and see if anything's going on. Yeah. And the nurse, I was hanging on the bed and the nurse went, just gonna scan your tummy, blah 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 blah. Oh god. Oh, oh, God. Oh, okay. Did, 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 did. And I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. What was that? What was that? Whoa, what was what was that? that? <laughs> and she was like, oh, I don't really know. There's something there, but I'm not sure. Um, hmm, I'll just send these off to whatever and, like, whoa, whoa, I'll whoa, give you a call.
2: Whoa, whoa, bitch. Whoa.
1: <laughs> just <laughs> get your scan, get the x ray, get everyone in the now, hospital, clean I'm dying and you don't want to tell yeah, me. Come on, come on now. And she was like, nope, no, it's fine. So I left oh, Lewisham Hospital. And started saying goodbye to everything. Yeah, and that weekend, like, phoned my mum. My mum was like, "Oh, come down now!" And I was like, "No, I think I'm fine." But then, w- what was actually happening was I was like, I was I would just start saying Stuart as well. Oh my God, and I was like. Oh, well this is it this ha- is the end happiness is not
2: good for us we don't <laughs> no. like it when happiness comes no, along no. So,
1: because it can be taken away yeah so here is this oh great great I know what comes with happiness it
2: gets snatched away <laughs> yeah. from you guys, and you're going to die because yeah. you've just you're got it because that's what happens
1: to me so I was like walking around we went for a walk around Victoria Park and I was saying goodbye it's like, goodbye trees goodbye
2: Christ. I mean, there's nothing like an actress with death anxiety.
1: <laughs> we really know how to do really it. We know. Yeah. Goodbye, this spaghetti bolognese would be the last meal I'll ever have, for I would die. The pasta's so tender. I've never
2: appreciated Parmesan <laughs> shavings before. Mm,
1: mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, then I tried to like. Then I tried to just be really destructive and was just trying to break up with Stuart all the time. Yeah. And she was like, no, I won't. And then he'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to go, should we go out and be like, yeah, okay. Like, I was like... Sorry about those other times. <laughs> I tried to break up with you. And I think that was obviously then sort of speaking to my therapist at the time and the one that I have now. So my then therapist, then retired. Oh, Not, how annoying. I know. And I was like, oh, because, oh, hello. Because then with like anxiety you have like abandonment things where you think. oh my god because of- literally every time she says she starts the session i think
2: she's gonna say she's going because <laughs> no, i don't want her up. to go <laughs> don't one, bring her on with one me. time she said to me i want you to know i'm not going anywhere and i was like okay <laughs> like, <laughs> she, i felt want- like oh she had to tell me
1: because she could tell <laughs> she could see she could tell i was being weird about yeah. it. So, yeah so so that was yeah so she like was like i'm um, retiring and i was like no that would fucking that would send me crazy. Yeah, retiring, I'd be like, why, why,
2: <laughs> why? I need you. And basically, because in your head, what you hear retiring is you're di- you're dying. Yeah, you just turn
1: into they're dead. I'll never see them again. She just wants to go and work in her allotment and have a that's lovely life. Yeah. She doesn't want to talk to people about death anymore. Um, and then I found my new therapist. So it- that's good. You have got a new one. She's great. Fresh, young. She's she's. she's a well, bit been, been older okay, she is age. incredible and I great. keep oh, great, great, she's great. amazing and like the best and like just brilliant and really bolshy and just in a way that I think like I can talk to her about stuff and she'll sort of be emotional about it with me like yeah. she emotes in this and I just feel like with therapist it is a Che- you have to try you have to go and meet loads I say it and so much you've
2: got to shop around you do and don't take the best deal yeah I was put off because I had this sort of couple attempts in my 20s when I went mm. to um you know I had like one session with one woman I think and then mm. I think I tried again and it literally made me so annoying when you're uh, I don't mean it's bragging but like when you're a <laughs> smart person. Yeah if something doesn't work, you're like, oh, well, I've tried it, it doesn't work. And mm. I hear, I listen to podcasts and I hear people go, oh yeah, well, therapy's not for me. And I'm like, nah. that's like saying comedy isn't for me yeah. or I hate films because the only thing you've seen is, you know, Big Mama's House. <laughs> no
1: offence, Big Mama's House. I haven't even seen you. <laughs> that is a good basis of some just, comedy. Yeah. yeah. Like,
2: or, you know, like if you've, when people slag off anything, like you're like, well, you just haven't... I just think maybe you didn't try yeah, it properly. You didn't try hard enough. Or, and, yeah, yeah I like, know it's, so, it's so hard and it's expensive. I'm fucking lucky I got mine on the NHS, but that was mm. purely by just waiting it. And if you've waited 18 years to talk to someone, because they said to me there's a massive waiting list. I was like, um, dude, I've been waiting. Eight, eight. I don't mind. I'll just wait. I <laughs> can do another six weeks. I'll just wait another year. Like, it's fine. Yeah. But I wasn't in crisis, as I know some people are. But I really think... Once you f it's like a good partner, when you find something you're like, Oh, this is so great Yeah. Like you do have to shop around. I think you do and I think it oh God, it's your health but, you know, it's, it's not
1: for everybody. Some no. people don't need it and that's totally cool. No, and some people you think you might need it. I just think ev but I think also everybody it should be offered to you know, I think it's a it's a care thing and it's a tra- you go through a trauma of losing yeah. somebody and I think to be able to talk to somebody is is You know, we we can sit here and talk about it. And, you know, obviously I I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be like, even just hearing other people talk about it and going, oh my God, me too. That's a thing I think about is, is helpful. But to, to go and actually, my therapist helps me pinpoint stuff on a daily basis and gives me tips. So it's not like I'll go to her and go, oh, I think this thing today and she'll just listen. So I'm was having a bit of a... I generally am, you know, good and can and now can make work about talking about it. And mm-hmm. that's more what my show is about as opposed to just sitting crying for an hour. Uh, <laughs> I'd there for home. Um, But we... She, I couldn't see her, for example, for like two or three weeks and just for whatever was going on, like I was away. And I then just could think about the sort of things that she would advise me to do. Yeah. So, for example, Stu went on a... Huge bike ride across France and Germany, um, and
2: oh, what's he trying to do? To he you?
1: is tested Jesus Christ. Christ With gonna a fall off his bike, in front of a mountain.
2: it's going to come off exactly.
1: Yeah. So I was like, I went to a therapy session. I was like, so, are you doing this thing? And I'm fine about it. <laughs> but uh absolutely fine absolutely fine like totally fine that he can do that and you know he's on a bike and he's vulnerable and might die and he might all the things might happen let alone just walking along the street and just having a heart attack now we might be on his bike doing it and uh, she was like okay so obviously you're not fine Uh, let's why don't you sit down with him and talk to him about all the possible things and so because I have all these levels of anxiety and still you know function day to day fine the the way is about managing it is about going what do i need to do so what yeah. i do is i list all the worst possible things that can happen because then if i can list them and i can get them out there i can hear how daft they are yeah, so even helps, like asking friends to text me and go yeah. well, i'm not dead they're not it's never with a serious note and yeah. i never read that and go oh my god thank god but just receiving just knowing that it's almost like humor me for a second yeah. say these things to me My favourite CBT that I,
2: because I did CBT as well, is they've said, um, you have to say the worst thing, the best thing, and then the middle.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, this is so good.
2: So then I'd be like, okay, so I've imagined that they've died. Yeah. The best thing, they come home with chocolate and I'm over the moon. The middle thing is they
1: They just just come home through the door.
2: And I, that to me made me really go, because again, like as a, a, you know, I'm obsessed with like narrative. I'm like, well, that's actually the most believable narrative yeah like that's actually and because I like evidence I'm like well what normally happens I'm they normally just come through the door yes. yeah so I found that when I'm in a real state of like oh god well, you know where are they what's happening I'm like okay worst case scenario and I can imagine that, like, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a Hollywood film version. Yeah. Best case scenario takes me quite a while. What would be good? How what, would I make that good? What's my day to day? Add chocolate. <laughs> Somehow he's got chocolate or flowers or sugar, he's just carrying a bowl of sugar. I just then I just <laughs> eat it. I just shut my head in it. So I enjoy that. Yeah. And in the mid like the, the average, what like and it's it's helped me with anxiety for um because I have social anxiety as well. So mm. if I'm like Okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? You walk into the party, they spit on your face, everybody spits on your face, and then they all, they all line up in a line <laughs> to tell you how shit you are. And then they, they just all point at you and laugh until yeah. you leave, and they mm-hmm. just, they literally just all laugh. You're getting anxious now. No, I'm loving it, yeah. Best case yeah. scenario, like you come in, they start carrying you around the party. People start yeah. trying, you know, People start crying because they just, they want to tell you how amazing you are. These are great scenarios. Yeah. Not what's middle? You're like I'll come in, I'll speak to people I know, I'll have
1: an alright time, probably yeah. better than I think, and I'll go home. Yeah,
2: and that calms me down so much. Yeah, I'm like actually, both the best and worst are very stressful. Yeah,
1: and which one? And so also, so in my show, I play a game called Worst Possible Situation with audience members. Oh, so I get them up on stage amazing. and we do that. So I'll give them a scenario and they will help me to work, <laughs> think of the worst thing and they have to make it work. So we play a game of making it worse. Amazing. And what that does for me is then really highlight the levels of how, how much our brains are trying to protect us and yeah. also how much our brains are trying to... So I look at something called the amygdala, which is the... Oh, yeah. Fight oh, yeah, or flight. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, You're yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> So that is your fight or flight thing. And mine is really overactive, yeah. So which is why what happened. And obviously, for me, I looked at getting CBT. But when I spoke to the doctor, the doctor was like, but when you do CBT, you can't go and still see your therapist because CBT is about moving forward uh, and looking forward. Right. And I I quite like going <laughs> and being like, back in the day, Lindsay. I, yeah,
2: I did CBT <laughs> when they there wasn't a therapist yeah, yeah so they were like we can offer you six sessions of cbt mm. as we, oh, we yeah. talked about on bobby's episode um which i found super helpful but yeah. again i would say it definitely i remember speaking to a friend about this and he was like he was like yeah cbt is great for like getting through the day but then sometimes you might need why is this happening yeah but everybody's yeah, different but yeah. i i really found cbt so useful as a stepping stone to being brave enough to talk about things, I was yeah, like, oh. that idea of having therapy, mm. different therapists over a long amount of time. Mm. Again, I think I've only just started realizing that when you lose someone young, mm. as you get older, your relationship changes to them, even yeah. though they're not there. Yeah. So of course you might need therapy at different stages, and you yeah, want, like I think yeah. sometimes it's it's easy to think, oh yeah, but that was that was ages ago. It's like yeah, but Lauren now. Is a different person to Lauren at 17. Definitely. And I'm saying that as if it's not me. (laughs) But that Lauren now needs to reconcile her relationship with her father now as an adult. Yeah. Like, that's everything I'm having
1: to go through because you're trapped as a teenager. Yeah, it's almost like that. But There's a part of your brain and your body there. And sometimes it feels like that when I behave or react about certain situations. But everybody does. I don't think anybody acts like a grown-up you the... like a teenager though yes
2: yes yeah, do you feel like you I feel like if I see a teenager I'm like yeah I get you yeah mm-hmm. I'm like if
1: I see someone being particularly I'm like mm-hmm. yeah cool that makes yeah. perfect sense your your that attitude the behavior that's how that's that sort of I had you know developed a lot of anger and I obviously oh, r- yeah. sort of read a lot I don't know where that just <laughs> thanks Julia Julia uh, Thank explains about th- how the anger is sort of displaced and yeah. I'm sort of so much better but you know, I was very was a very stroppy teenager, and sort of have come through a lot of stuff to become a less stroppy yeah. adult. But there are still moments when I deal with. I mean, it's all learned behaviour from family and parents, and where you learn about how people react and behave about that sort of stuff or whatever's going on. But um, I just feel like we're coming into contact with new things in our lives constantly. And there must, it might not necessarily be linked to the grief of my father, the death of my father, but it might be linked to other behaviors or reactions I encountered since then that yeah. I was doing like a defense mechanism. So things like, I want to have children or a child, don't know, maybe two. Uh, however, <laughs> just I get one and see how just you feel. Just do <laughs> that's, one. That's how I've learned. You're like, I have five. No, no just have one. Just, and just see one. And a dog. And, uh, that obviously is not going to happen in the next sort of six months or something. But at this stage, we're we're starting to think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, then I've got to overcome a lot of hurdles about I can't react in a, in the way yeah. that I would normally react. And how will I deal with that? And how will I deal with also just allowing best piece of advice ever with my therapist? It was just be kind to yourself. And it yeah. is the best piece of advice because it just meant there's a lot of levels, I think, about feeling like you don't deserve nice things or certain ways yeah. in which because you've dealt you've had to go through a certain thing or you think somebody's going to go or you know I it, think it's just distro- like it's definitely distro- a destroying happiness yeah I think so It seems to happen and I can't quite put my
2: therapist says I was like no no one's quite put their finger on why the fact that our dad's died as teenagers makes us somehow go well I, I think it's not trusting it isn't it I don't trust happiness in a way that because I somehow, of, trust pays
1: well if, yeah, because it's a, if the big hot the scare was you just living your life and then something crap happens, yeah. then you feel like that, even on smaller levels. Like, I'm scared. One of my biggest things, I'm scared about getting married social situations are horrendous for me you and you said what's your best and your worst my best would be that nobody I don't want people carrying me around the room Uh, I want people being like oh hey I don't want like all of that like big but for me getting married I'm terrified that I might projectile vomit at my own (laughs) wedding (laughs) um I like that I love what your brain does too. you. It's, mine was falling yeah. over. Oh. I was like convinced that
2: I would just I like could just imagine myself constantly, like comically falling over like flat on my face. And then I meant eventually I was like, Karen, that would be such a weird yeah. like that would be such an unusual thing Why for a bride you to be that? unable to stand. It would be mad. Like
1: what people wouldn't be laughing at you or they'd just think, God, this poor woman, what yeah. the hell is going on? Yeah. And same project. I feel like that would be so strange. Well, for I've that to never. I, oh no, I've done it once, and I've done it once when I had my first kiss, and I was really sick because I was so nervous. Oh, and like, bless you! It's ridiculous, but you know, it's to me, it's like let's take a nice thing and then yeah, then, then imagine how imagine yeah, how yeah, you imagine could it ruin wrong. it. And I worry so much about love. You know, if a nice thing happens, I'll always think about the yeah. worst thing. But it's a it's. I am a fun person. I'm a fun person to be around. But oh, one- I'm super fun. And there's just a lot of
2: stuff going on up here yeah. that most
1: people don't know about.
2: Yeah. I think and I'm quite good. I think both because I would never know from you. Oh like, it's gosh. funny you saying anxious, like, especially when I met you and never would have thought you were an anxious person. Yeah. Just go, oh, she seems nice.
1: Yeah. So, nice person. so level so, and, and probably the same didn't know of yeah. there's yeah. so many people that I will be like, and I found that about when I've talked about anxiety and the links to it and sort of really celebrating being neurodiverse and being like this is the way our brains are and we'll try to deal with them in the best ways that we can but instead of sort of covering up and that's what's so lovely about the more people that talk about mental health and the links to it and I know that for me it's kind of going somebody said oh you know if you were fully cured of all your things how would I was like maybe I wouldn't be the person I would be today if if this hadn't happened or this then that happened and I have to think about moving you have to think about moving forward yeah
2: definitely and that's
1: what therapy the good thing about therapy is about is that it helps you maintain your everyday and then also I'm able to put because my family are quite have a dark sense of humor since probably definitely my dad yeah died and we say things like when we used to go to the grave and see my dad and I'd come home and be like oh yeah, I went to see Dad. Mum would be like, "How was he?" And they'd yeah. be like, oh, quiet, <laughs> like, yeah. but didn't say much. Uh, no change know. there. Oh, he's quite, he's quite cold. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, but things, things that become a normality within our a coping mechanism and using comedy to mm. sort of talk about the things that are difficult, in order that you can go, "Hey, this is crap." But if we, it's it's almost like laughing about it helps me gain power over yeah. a lot of the sad. And I think. That's one of the things that I i am so thankful that I found an outlet to be able to talk yeah. about it and then also go... And now do the clowning and doing the show. Yeah, and it's sort of like when, you're, when I'm on stage and sort of performing and talking about death or if I've talked about death anxiety, to make light about it because if I don't, I would just go... And I still do constantly think, oh, all these terrible things are going to happen. Mm. But then if I replay, like you said, all the all the scenarios, then it makes, it does make it easier to talk about. Yeah. And I think, I, Do you yeah. talk about your dad in the show or is it main, more about... No, I don't, like, uh, oh, I've I've sort of, <clears throat> it's mentioned, but I don't, I don't talk about it too, I don't sort of label it too much as a, because I, I do talk about the fact that sort of having people losing me, but it's something I'm still, like I, I'm writing about and thinking about Making a show because it doesn't center mainly on death anxiety it's the show is social and anticipation with a bit of sprinkling of death, <laughs> sprinkling of death anxiety. <laughs> um, but thinking of like the next like another project that I'm working on at the moment about death anxiety um um using clowning and sort of comedy for that is to me and how a friend of mine who's part of the good order of the good death that oh, we've talked yeah, about yeah. and um really trying to push on being like death positive Mm. I think is it's so much a part of our life the thing that I've started to think about with death positive because
2: you know it's funny because obviously like most people like hashtag body positivity (laughs) and now you're like hey guess what death's got involved a little bit more complicated the hashtag but there is this hashtag death positive yeah And I was thinking about I was like I think it must be a common thing someone dies you get anxious Mm. it gives you this anxiety about the instability of the world but becoming Gaining strength from knowing it will happen to everybody yeah. and trying to stop it being like the big bad wolf, which I think is probably what both me, you and I have of like, yeah. oh, it's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. And being like, no, it's just going to happen. Yeah. And just trying to let that be part of our narratives rather than like, keep that fucking thing out the door, like bolt it, so just yeah. stay in your room and never leave. And yeah. um, it's
1: where your, levels of, where your levels of anxiety sort of sit with like whether i'm I'm scared about dying, but I kind of feel like if I knew then I would probably or have an understanding of it. It's more sort of the control of other people. i don't know I don't know what I would think, but we need to talk about it because we need to be able to be prepared, and the worst possible thing that we would know is if somebody god forbid like dies out of the blue and they've got they've not sorted anything they've not oh, done anything we' always talk about this. And making sure that we've got everything on all, my mum will phone me and be like, hi, so I know you don't really want to talk about it, but here's all the information that yeah. you're going to need. And I'm like, I don't want to really hear this. <laughs> don't make me an orphan. But then mum, eventually I know, and we've talked about it a bit, but now I know that these are the conversations that need to be had. Yeah. And being control freaks, the yeah. more we can talk about it, the more we can be prepared. So that then you just have to deal with the emotional side of it without... Without having to worry about all the other bits, uh, you know, with, oh my God, what are we going to do? And with, it's a bigger thing, but like with Jewish burial, it happens immediately. Yeah, so it's like yeah. the next day. And it's all about basically getting getting them buried as quick as possible so get that you in. can deal with the, the grieving process. Oh, uh, is that kind of what it comes from? Like yeah. get them in and then that bit's done. Do it. It's not about, you know, it's about being together and so... Even though my dad died, my dad died on the 29th and his funeral was on the 30th. There were 300 people at his funeral wow. within less than 24 hours. Like he was a, he was an amazing guy, like a, a real positive, like just a real man like a real character and a yeah. real people person. And everybody knew him and he was, he was extraordinary and made a lot of friends and people lo- really loved him. So lots of people knew him and we sort of, what, jewish burial enables you to do is sort of the funeral happens and they're buried and it sort of happened yeah it sort of happened immediately and then you do something called you sit shiver which is basically the week of mourning where you sit on low chairs and you have a piece of clothing that's ripped like it's it's all about like it's all about suffering really (laughs) it's uh, but but basically what it is is that you yeah you're you're buried and then yeah then we come back to the house and you will talk and I chatted to the rabbi about it last week um hey rabbi and he was sort of explaining to me sort of the whole process of what happens but mainly the idea is to come home and think about that person and talk about that person yeah. together and share things. And the people that sit shiver are the immediate it's called sitting shiver. And the people it's children, uh, parents and spouse and brothers and sisters, like. Um, and my dad didn't have any family really. He had a we had a step grandfather, but he didn't sit shiver. So it's my mum and my brother and sister and I. And we all sat uh, for the week and basically you sit on low chairs because it's meant to be uncomfortable wow. <laughs> so all these things and we we're not we're orthodox but we're not practicing really I'm definitely not um but you sort of do it in you do it in because that's what we did my dad wasn't really he used to like we used to go to the synagogue on a Saturday and my grandparents he'd pick us up and take us to KFC <laughs> like, you know uh but we so you yeah you all sit and You're meant to sit there all day and the guys aren't allowed to shave and you have to cover up all the mirrors Mm. and anything reflective. It's all about just focusing in and thinking about that person and being with your family and sharing stories. And it's almost like the most cathartic thing because that's all I've ever known. That's within growing up with the amount of funerals that happened and the amount of people that died Going to so many of them, death being just always present, mm. knowing that that is the time that people talk and mourn. I can't imagine two weeks going by without, with having that, you know, not having the person yeah, buried. And yeah. it's just, compar- I suppose it's just...
2: Well, I, I, I love a ritual. I <laughs> love hearing about them because I do just think they're yeah. there for a reason. Like it's not, like if if a society had something that wasn't useful, they would have got rid of it. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know, 2,200 BC, someone would have been like, this is, you know that thing where we punch each other? I just, I think we could lose it. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if it's working for me. And then someone's yeah. like, but the low chairs, I love the low chairs. Yeah, I the is. low chairs. <laughs> do <you know> what <laughs> I mean, so these things that have lasted the test of time yeah. because they some, they help humans cope. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, my dad's funeral was great and, you know, and we did mm. sit around and talk, but to have that kind of... It reminds me of school. It's like, sometimes school did stuff that you, you didn't want to do, but you sort of did, it was good for you. Yeah. And when a higher power is in charge, you're like, well, we kind of have to sit shiver. Like, you yeah, know. you've so got to. You've got to do it. Yeah. So then even if you if you were left to your own devices, you might go, do you know what? I don't feel like it. But that might not be the best thing for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of what yeah. I imagine is like, actually, probably they said 17-year-old Lauren, you have a choice. You might be like, oh, I want to be with my friends. I don't want to go. do this.
1: Yeah. And actually, it forced you to be in the room and... It, you know there were there were shared jokes and things probably within the family where we would know that that person would come and do the head on the side tilt of I'm so sorry and we probably count how many like
2: yeah, yeah all the
1: weird sort of grieving things but what it did do is enable enable us and enables us to talk and to share and to basically just sit together as much as it wasn't easy and there were you know we would dealt with it in our own my brother and sister and I my mum all dealt with it in different ways but what it did do was just rally a community around us to go it's cool right all you have to do is not much is just to sit here and think about him and share lovely memories and because I think we had it wasn't for us maybe a media shock but even if Mm. I suppose it is it forces you to sort of does not solve everything but it does force you to talk and then it sort of goes that, if depending on who's died, you could be mourning for a year. You're not allowed to, like, um, listen to music or go to weddings or go to celebration. It depends. For Judaism, it depends sort of who it is, if it's a spouse or a parent. But for us, we did a week where we all sat there, and then it sort of finished, and my mum got her house back, and, like, yeah. you know, people weren't, come, weren't in the house all the time, and it just enabled us to just all be together.
2: Lauren, he sounds like an amazing man. He was. And it sounds like you've been through an incredible process and come through the other side, mm. whatever that means. Yeah. Because we know it's still, you're still walking it. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Thank
1: you very much, Kelly.
2: You can follow Lauren on Twitter at HeyLaurenSilver or you can go to her website, laurensilver.co.uk. She's also performing in Edinburgh this summer. She'll be doing Wild Creatures and the Canterville Ghost at 2.45pm every day at the Pleasants. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Griefcast, or you can email us thegriefcast at gmail.com. Music was provided by The Glue Ensemble and the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone.